it's been a norm for so long that it's just become what we do in the church. This is what, you know, not to say that it's, it's right, but it's become a norm. And when something becomes normal, we are least likely to call it out. And if someone does call it out, then we know what happens to those folks in the church. <laughs> we know what happens to them. Welcome to all God's children. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go and talk about that taboo trinity, race, religion, and politics. Thank you for joining the Raceless Gospel Podcast, where word meets flesh, and where we gather to talk about the sticks and stones that break the skin and bones of the body of Christ and the structure of a church service. I am your host and podcast pastor, Starlet Thomas. The Raceless Gospel Podcast Season 2 is brought to you through the generous support of Fellowship Southwest and American Baptist Home Mission Societies. On today's podcast, I am joined by Christian Owens. Christian Owens is the owner and lead therapist of Resilient Child Therapy Institute, LLC, where she provides psychotherapy and holistic wellness services to individuals and families impacted by childhood trauma. Today, we aim to discuss the meanings we give our bodies and the meanings our bodies are given according to the Christian faith, the socio-political construct of race and gender, how we are taught to see ourselves and others, and what we can say to ensure that we are all body positive. Join us in the Amen Corner because we could use more affirmation, more positivity. But first, won't you pray for us? And do pray with me. God of all bodies, who calls us as a body that believes, help us to believe in our bodies positively and have no doubt that you made them good. Give our tongues a stretch. Help them to confess that our bodies are good, not different, not other, not foreign or strange. We have no one to measure up to. Thou shalt not play this numbers game. But created a little lower than the angels, we can live on clouds nine and ten. We don't have to come down and no one can ever look down on us. We are all on equal footing, all created with the same stuff, a mixture of dirt to God's sweat and spirit's breath. Categories cut and cart us off. We get carried away with sizes, pluses, and minuses. Numbers outnumber us. Won't you remind us of who we are in you? A good word. Because we crossed our hearts and were supposed to die to comparisons and body competitions, we confess that you don't hold up numbers when you see us. Deliver us from words and experiences that have done a number on us, that make us question if we count. In the name of Jesus, Word made flesh, who was carried in Mary's body, and for which her beautiful stretch marks can attest, we pray. Amen. When I was growing up in the South in the early 1990s, when we listened to music on cassette tapes and the DJ, not iTunes, played our favorite songs. 
During the worship service, persons offered a testimony. It was a weekly update on how God was at work in our lives. We began, first giving honor to God who is the head of my life, to the pastor, visitors, saints, and friends. Well, today I want to testify about the North American church and being body positive. Keep your dress down and your legs closed. I hadn't even done anything wrong. But when I became a believer in Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I was taught to kill the flesh with its passions. Sin centered on my body, where it was, who it was around, and how it was seen. There was no talk of social evils or social justice. Sin was about carnality. It came in a pack of three. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. True indeed, this verse was used to tamp down on any desire of ours to leave the faith. It had all been done before, and this is what it amounted to. So stay here. You won't miss out on much, they said. The world was full of trouble. Consequently, the goal was spiritual. We were pilgrims passing through, on our way home, going up yonder because this world was quickly passing away. Signs of the time, the end of the world were happening every day. Jesus was on his way back. We had to be ready, rapture ready. And the devil was roaming the earth and the pews in our church, seeking someone to lead astray. Tricks and traps, there was a long list of things I could not do. No drinking, no smoking, no cursing, no singing, worldly music, no dancing, no dating, no sex before marriage. I was 12 years old, the time normally reserved for experimentation, for challenging boundaries and asking questions for major objections and minor personal rebellions. All were thought to be the work of the devil. We girls were to be like Mary, meek and mild, the quieter, the better. But how could I be either with this target placed on my body? X marks the spot. My body was the problem. It was the flesh that God didn't want to see. My body was to be rejected, somehow disconnected, detached from all feeling, except those that were deemed holy. And I was taught to cover up this crime scene. Keep your dress down and your legs closed made it hard to look at my body positively. Our scripture reading is Psalm 139 and verse 14a. It reads this way in the New Revised Standard Version. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, your podcast pastor, and we'll be right back. Fellowship Southwest is a network of churches organized around compassion. FSW is agile, ecumenical, and willing to do whatever it takes to serve people in need. Their network includes all kinds of churches, and they like it that way. At FSW, your church can be itself and your mission can be multiplied. Learn more at fellowshipsouthwest.org. 
American Baptist Home Mission Societies is your partner in mission and ministry, empowering God's people for today's real-life challenges. Through continuing education that sharpens ministry skills, mission trips that put faith into action, and a virtual platform for ministry professionals to network and learn from one another, American Baptist Home Mission Societies helps you live your faith every day. Visit American Baptist Home Mission Societies at abhms.org to find out more. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, welcoming you back to this episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast. Welcome Christian Owens. She is a licensed clinical social worker, certified yoga teacher, and Reiki master. For today's sermon, we will engage in the tradition of call and response, a sacred back and forth. Feel free to join in as an official member of the Amen Corner. Pray for us as we discuss the ways in which the North American church can be body positive. We're going to jump in. We're going to talk about body positivity uh, with my dear friend, Christian Owens. Uh, we're going to jump right in. Can we do that? Yeah, of course. You got it. She's ready. So, so <laughs> the first question that I have for you, I'm going to set it up a bit. Uh, I, I read this book called Reclaiming the Body in Christian Spirituality. Uh, and Thomas Ryan, the editor, he says this. He says, the word of God became flesh. The expression is both graphic and dramatic. God becomes one of us, a living being of flesh and blood, experiencing life in this world just as we experience it, eating and drinking, working and resting, touching and being touched, suffering and dying. It is not a masquerade party or play acting. It was not something that could ever be taken back or undone. It was, we might say, a serious commitment in the face of our devaluations of the flesh that embodies God and the earth which is God's home, God sent a message. From now on, I am identified with this bodiliness, this fleshiness, this materiality, this sensuality, this worldliness, this passion. If we ever wanted to trade in this bodily experience for another kind in the face of that message, we no longer have the grounds to do so. So with that being said, why then does the North American church have a negative understanding of the body? We talked about it a little bit before we started recording uh, about our own personal experiences. You know, I couldn't wear pants because that was for men. We wore really long dresses to ensure that the boys didn't get under them. But I learned very quickly that long dresses come up just as quickly <laughs> as the short ones. Uh, so, so why then, it's external righteousness, why then does the North American church have a negative understanding of the body in your estimation? Mm. Wonder, I'm, I'm wondering how deep do you want me to go with this? As deep as you would like. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'll speak, I'll speak to uh, on my perspective, both being a preacher's kid, being now a licensed uh, therapist. Um, that works with people across the lifespan that have experienced trauma that also includes religious trauma. Um, my own experiences with trauma and what I will say is I think that 
the Northern church for so long has been able to, and this is in my opinion, been able to, um, I don't know, maintain this misogynist, patriarchal. Call it out. Type of view. And because a lot of times you only see these body image related issues being directed towards women. We don't see it so much with men. And so I think that because of this longstanding history, you know, we see these issues with body image and it, and it directly and indirectly impacting women. Yeah. So I think that that's the origin and um, it's, it's been a norm for so long that it's just become just what, what we do, what we do in the church. This is what, you know, not to say that it's, it's right, but it's become a norm. And when something becomes normal, we are least likely to call it out. And if someone does call it out, then we know what happens to those folks. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> we know what happens to them. So that's what, that's my opinion. That's my opinion. Do you think it has anything to do with the origin story, with the Genesis narrative, with Eve? Uh, oh, yeah. And, and, and even... There's conversation still today about Bathsheba and David as to whether or not she was a temptress or if he used his power uh, and she was a rape victim. So I I think there's several uh, strands of of which we could pull from that would suggest that. I know when I was growing up, it was definitely that, Mm -hmm. uh, that the girl's body was the temptation, that the onus onus of godliness, of goodness was on the woman, uh, that it was for us to, uh, to cover up you know, mm-hmm. because it's us, we, we are the ones that are the source of the temptation. If we would right. cover up, then they wouldn't want us. You know, there will be no sexual interaction, no sexual engagement, no sexual harassment, which we know is a lie. And we right. perpetuate the same things we see in society. You know, if you dress a particular way, you won't be heckled. Um, or she was raped because she looked a particular way. And we mm-hmm. do that same thing in the church. Absolutely. And I, I can remember as a child, I used to think to myself, because I, I was one of those kids that developed pretty quickly. And, you know, as a woman of color, like my, you know, I started to get curves at a young age and all of that stuff. And I remember being told that I couldn't wear certain things because it would tempt, you know, um, it would tempt a man in church. And I will always question like, but church is supposed to be this good place. Like, why would somebody do that to me? Why can't I freely just be myself and wear my favorite dress, you know? And so it starts at a very, very young age. We start, uh, you know, telling children, young people that their body isn't okay and they can't wear certain things. And, you know, and, and so feeling like this guilt and this shame around your body, which then of course, what I'm noticing and working with adults in a clinical setting is that they still maintain that same view of themselves and of the world because it started at a very young age in childhood. Yeah. 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 It makes me think of the body as apology. Yeah. How we show up in spaces and are are not fully present or tend to shrink or to shame ourselves before anyone can say a word. And that it probably starts with those things. We start to apologize for being in the room, apologizing for speaking up, apologizing just for being, you know, I'm sorry to say this, or I'm yeah. sorry if, without having done anything wrong. And we start to justify just being present or yeah. excusing our curvaceousness, mm-hmm. um, our voluptuousness, our beauty. I'm sorry that I'm a temptation. In essence, blaming the, you know, blaming the victim. 
That's and right. using scripture for it. That's right. That's right. And that's, so that's the religious trauma piece yeah. that was getting yeah. there earlier, you know, and why I think, you know, and not to say this is every place of worship, but, you know, the, the thing with trauma, like I said, is that once it becomes the thing and it's a norm, we just expect it. Yeah. Expect it. And, yeah. um, and then we begin to see it and expect it in our other relationships and interactions yeah. with other people. From the time that we're young and we recognize, you know, we recognize what it is and the shame and the guilt and if you ever recognize it, because it becomes just your way of seeing the world and seeing yourself. This is just bringing up so many memories for me. Remember mm-hmm. the mothers of the church, you would come in and they would throw a lap scarf over you or they would pin your blouse. Yes. Uh, this, I might have, th- there might be some trigger warnings throughout this episode. <laughs> Yeah. Because as you are speaking, I'm remembering what was done to my body when I came in. They would have they would have safety pins in their mouths. They would, you know, walk you to the bathroom or come up to you and whisper in your ear, baby, now what you have on is not appropriate. Or I'm gonna have to cover this, or you're gonna have to pull that dress down, or you don't come into the house of God like this. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 We got a lot of work to do. Yeah. It's it's really heavy. It's heavy stuff. Um because it's existed for so long and, and the church has been able to get away with it for so long. No one has yeah. called people out. And I think that goes back to that place of fear, guilt, and shame. And we, when guilt and shame um, exist, it, it essentially causes um, paralysis. Like we're unable to move. And, and that movement can also be like movement to speak up, movement to do something different movement to move my body how I want to move my body how I want to dress my body so it causes paralysis the mind body and the spirit yeah yeah you talked about Mm -hmm. this earlier before we started recording but I dressed uh, to affirm my body positivity so I have on short shorts you can't see it but I'm wearing them they told me I couldn't wear them I have them on today I have them on today being body positive, I'm feeling very, <laughs> very free. It wasn't intentional. But then no. when we got, we got on, I was like, uh, I think I'm dressed for the episode. Whatever. We what? will not be showing the video, people. We don't. We're <laughs> <laughs> only going to get this. <laughs> I loved it. You know, I remember, um, not to like pl- put a plug in for myself, but I, I remember. Plug yourself. This is body positivity. <laughs> Okay, let me plus. So I, I am the um, owner of a private practice outside of DC called Resilient Child Therapy Institute. And um, it's been in existence since 2015. And I remember like, I'm a very like, my clients will tell you like, I could I look different every single day. So <laughs> and um, it, I not dress based on how I feel. And as of recently, like, I feel like I have I'm becoming even more me um and so there's some days I wear jeans there's some days I wear I show my arms some days I you know I may be more casual and I remember someone saying like you're a business owner you know you should be dressing in pantsuits and this and that and I'm like well this is the reason why I went into business for myself so that I can Mm. creatively be me yeah and I don't have to you know look to anyone in terms of what it is um, I'm supposed to be doing how I'm supposed to be dressed. So independent. <laughs> it's a thing. 
it is a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Second question Uh is this, it's around purity culture. Mm. So purity culture, while predominantly associated with socially colored white evangelicals and seeks uh, to share a biblical understanding of sexual ethics, is also expressed in African-American led churches. We've talked a little bit about it, uh, which promotes abstinence, modest dress and appearance for girls who are viewed as the source of temptation. This toxic Mm. understanding of how the body works, its natural feelings and normal hormonal changes have caused and continue to produce trauma. Mm-hmm. evident in the shooting of Asian women in Atlanta. Some folks are deconstructing their faith as a result of it. What do we do so as not to view our body as the enemy and work against it? And how should we view the bodies of other people so that we don't seek to harm them in pursuit of our own salvation, our own deliverance? Such a big question. <laughs> Listen here. I could talk That's about what we do. hours. <laughs> what we do. We didn't come here for simple questions or easy answers. I want answers. I'm asking questions. Oh, I want ask, I'm asking questions that I wanted to have. These are conversations I wanted to have in church. I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, these are the conversations I came bearing when I was sitting in the pews. These are the questions I was having. Yeah. That's while why we're, while we're, we're sitting down and standing up and we're sitting down and standing up and I wanted to raise my hand. So I have a question. Yeah, but you're not allowed to question anything. Not at all. So I cannot, I cannot deal with our doubts. That's disrespectful. Yeah. In my tradition, it's disrespectful. How dare you question God? Who do you think you are? Yeah. Yeah. That keeps us silent. So yeah. We, so that then that answers the, your question is that, you know, I think that, um, you know, a lot of this lies in <clears throat> oppression, mm. you know, um, not giving voice to someone's narrative or their experience. Mm. Um, and when we do that, when we silence people, we're essentially saying that they're invisible. Yeah. And if, if I'm invisible, if I'm being perceived as invisible, I'm going to feel invisible. And therefore I won't have, I, I won't feel like I have a voice in how I'm treated or how I want mm. someone to treat me. So it, it goes right back uh, to that that lens of social injustice yeah. and how do we fight social injustice you know how do we how do we do that calling it out when we see it yeah yeah you know, I, yeah I think about you know civil rights leaders past and current and what makes them all similar is their willingness to speak out even if it meant being tormented, even if it meant being looked at a certain way, people not supporting their business, supporting their ministry, they were still just like, I'm gonna call this out. This isn't right. This isn't right. Isn't it interesting that we start to beat up on folks because of our own shame and guilt around temptation? That's how it works. works. It strikes me though, that we do, that the church does to victims what abusers do. Absolutely. They silence them. Absolutely. Don't talk about it. Let's pray about it. Yes. It's, and then do nothing about it. There you go. And then do nothing about it. There you it. go. I need you to be the answer to my prayer because I'm praying for deliverance. Mm. But we don't do that. We tie people's tongues up with scripture. That's right. Put it in God's hands. Yeah, but you are the body of Christ. You are the hands and feet of Christ. Deliver me. Yeah. Deliver me. How I wish I had 
uh, strong adults and especially women speak mm -hmm. up for me. What a better person I would have been. And it would have taken me less time to get where I am today. Mm -hmm. If women would have said, that's not okay. I know exactly what you're doing and you better stop it now. Mm -hmm. See a child being groomed. Mm, that's essentially what it is. Listen here. That's what it is. And instead of saying something, you get jealous. Because the pastor is your man. Mm. Even though he's married. <laughs> yeah. 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 The church has a lot of work to do. And if we don't name these things, uh, and I, I feel that's what, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a generation that is here and there's one that is on the way um, that is incredibly prophetic mm -hmm. and calling the church to repent. That's why they're telling their stories. That's why they're speaking up. Um, that's why they're not going to be a silent generation. They've had enough. And they're saying, me too, and church too. God is not pleased. God is a God of justice, right. of righteousness. We talk about Jesus all the time. Jesus died because of sin. Mm -hmm. We have a funny way of talking about sin. We focus on particular sins and it depends on who it happened to because if the pastor can preach, if he can raise a good offering, then he stays. No matter what the sin is, we have a lot of body work to do. I think for all the finger pointing that we do, we need to help uh, young people who are wrestling and struggling and being hurt by, by, by adults. Yeah, in the name of purity. Yeah. 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 Because those yeah. girls that wore long dresses oh, yeah. were getting raped. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And we didn't talk about it. We talk about it now as adults. And we mm -hmm. say, oh, that's what was going on with you. Well, this what was going that, that explains this or that. Mm -hmm. or, or I can relate. And this is why I responded to you this way. Because we did not talk about it. Only to find out almost all of us were being sexually assaulted at the same time, but nobody said anything. Right. We just cleaned it up real nice, put a pretty dress on, pulled the dress all the way down and crossed our legs and said yes and amen. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This third question. <laughs> Saved or unsaved? because that was always the question. Do you know Jesus in the pardoning of your sins? <laughs> uh, perhaps a byproduct of the platonic dualism of body and soul, uh, language divides bodies into believers and unbelievers. Uh, the person's reception is positive or negative, depending on whether or not one has a personal relationship with Jesus, air quotes. Uh, what can be said of a body, of the body of Christ, namely, that works only with those who agree with it? Uh, what is the work of the North American church to respect differences in human being, belonging, and belief? Because I was taught you couldn't talk to unbelievers. Mm. They're not saved. You do not talk to them. They're of the world. Mm. You do not mix. So coming from, <clears throat> you know, I'm a trauma therapist. I'm going to come, come at it once again through a trauma informed that's why you're on this episode <laughs> i'm just to me that's a form of isolation you mm. know if i isolate you from those that are not in the church who are being psychologically and emotionally manipulated 
then how would you know that what's happening is wrong if you don't know that there's something different? So I see it almost as, no, it's not almost, it is. It's a form of isolation where I just like, you know, a, a, you know, uh, a survivor, I'm going to say a survivor of domestic violence. There is isolation that happens when their partner oh, yeah. abuse and then oh, yeah. isolates them so that they can't share yeah. what happening or so that no yeah. one notice oh something just isn't right and we'll call you know call whoever out for whatever is happening so you know I to me at this point in time in my life and then just with the training that I've had and all of the children and families and adults and teens I've worked with to me that's a form of isolation within the realm of religious trauma mm. I know that's heavy and I know a lot of people ain't gonna be able to digest that but they will if they've been through it. Mm. Uh, one of the first steps that abusers do is get you away from your family. Yeah. And so they tell you, you know, I'm the only one you need. Mm -hmm. They don't really love you like I do. Come away with me. Yeah. And we do the same thing when it relates to persons that practice a different faith tradition, who have a different mm -hmm. um, bodily expression or perspective. Mm -hmm. They say, they're not like us. Yeah. Come over here and stay with me. Yeah. You don't need to be around those people. And I don't understand a church who does that. Yeah, it's entitlement. Yeah, in support of a God who loves the world. I don't yeah, understand it. It just, it, it, it's, it conflicts with what the Bible tells us is that if we are, we're all made in his image. We're Come all, on. you know, we are uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. Then why, why is it that there's a group that considers themselves entitled enough to say who you can connect with, how you can live your life, how you can express yourself? There, that's conflicting. And I think about for a child who is learning who they are in the world, like that, that conflicting, those conflicting messages, how yeah. just yeah. create a state of confusion, which, yeah. you know, is, is a part of being a, you know, a survivor of, of abuse. Yeah. We I, go from victim to survivor to thriver. That's how I see it. Come on through. <laughs> Preachers, kid, you heard that three-point, three-point <laughs> sermon. Did you see that connect? All you got to do now is say, early Sunday morning, <laughs> he got up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Let's listen here. One of my favorite uh, writers, Toni Morrison, who is a preacher in her own right. Uh, she wrote this book called *The Bluest Eye*. Uh, and I see it as an exceptional lens through which to view uh, the disconnection, the detachment from the true self um, in pursuit of the claims of race. Race says this about our bodies and gender points out that about our bodies. We are uh, introduced to our bodies by way of stereotype, gender norms and traditions. Our bodies are given meanings and are clearly defined before we have an opportunity to fully see ourselves, how and where and when do we begin to practice body positivity when these negative messages are a given? How do we do it? Mm -hmm. We come into a space, into a world that already has a name for us and a place for us. And as you've already spoken of, has a box for us. You fit here, you belong here, you stand here. X marks the spot, don't move from here. How do we do it? Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many layers to this. I, I think it's, I think it begins with 
acknowledging your part in whatever way, as, as well as like what you do know. Mm. Um, mm. And I, you know, I think about, um, I'm sorry, it's just taking me some time to digest this, but um, the importance of not only just acknowledging what you've experienced, but when you cause abuse, when you cause harm, it's coming from a space of harm, of hurt yourself. Mm. Like there's something that has also happened to you. And so in order to be able to change, we have to be able to acknowledge and um, feel in our bodies what is coming up for us when we think about what has happened to us and then what we are maybe what we're doing to others mm. intentionally or unintentionally because sometimes we're not aware of it because something like I said has been, been our norm for so long this is how the church has always done and we've just this has just been the tradition and not being able to see our part in maintaining something that is essentially oppressive yeah participating in our own oppression that's right participate like calling it out and then calling it out, being able to almost to hold a mirror up to yourself and to see, okay, this is where, and, and compassionately do that because we all, well, none of us are perfect. So not it's, at all. it's, 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 not even close, not even close. <laughs> like, okay, I probably, not by a mile, not I, by a long yeah, shot. I've continued this or I've done that. And let me compassionately look at myself. Let me mm. see who I am. Let me feel the emotions that come up, sensations that come up in my body as I, recognize my part in years of oppression yeah yeah years and years and yeah. years the crazy thing is this is who i've always been this person right here i re i knew her i was sure of her when i was probably 10 years old mm -hmm. i was very sure like always uh getting in trouble for speaking up yeah i remember i remember one instance very clearly um, my dad had hit my mother mm -hmm. and I put my body in, in front of her and I turned around and said, would you put your hands on her? And he picked me up by my, by my gown and lifted me up off my feet and I eyed him down mm -hmm. and he dropped me and told my mother, you better get her. This is who I've always been, but I'm often in spaces and around faces that say, we can't say that right now. Mm -hmm. We can't do that right now. We need more time. The church is out of time. Mm. For all those folks that are talking about rapture ready, because I grew up with that too, and Jesus is on the way, we're nowhere near being ready. If you got to have a committee meeting and a vote every time, something needs to change. People are showing up as they are, and we're trying to change them. God put them into the brought them into the world, spoke them into the world this particular way. I've always been about justice. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else I have to say. Folks are all, you expect me to say anything different? It's just not gonna happen. It's the message I've come bearing. I am that, that weepy, uh, weary prophet that says you need to repent. This race thing that you're doing, this coloring in God and making idols that look like you, that say exactly what you want them to say, that hate the people you hate and love the people you love. God said, no, God is not pleased. Some things we give folks and think they're gonna take it. And then they reject it and we don't know what to do with it. I think the church needs to, to get, get used to that because we're seeing a lot of that. 
millennials like myself and Generation Z are leaving the church. They're not staying for a business meeting or a vote. They're not waiting for you to mentor them or to call them up to the podium or the pulpit. They're leaving rather than play these childish games. It's, it's, too, it's too late and too much has been done. Too much harm has been done for us to continue to do church business as usual. That's right. Um, it's just interesting, the expectations that are given to girls. I was given a baby doll and had no desire, zero desire to, en to engage with that plastic thing. <laughs> what is this for? What am I supposed to do with this? I loved books and my folks could not make sense of it because in their minds, Girls come like this and girls do this and girls look like this and girls definitely didn't talk. No, we don't, we don't do that. Mm -hmm. We yes. don't speak up. Oh, no, not in the South, honey. We speak. <laughs> Baby, yeah. honey, sugar. That's what we do. So yeah. when this, <laughs> this big mouth person comes into the world, the folks are like, who is this? Whose child is this? <laughs> what are we going to do about? <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I'm so confused by these, these so-called prophets. Mm. Yeah. Preach about money. That's not my understanding of the Bible. I can find no prophet in the Bible that talked about being so blessed that you're not going to be stressed. I can see a whole bunch of them saying, <laughs> repent. Mm-hmm. Thus says the Lord. Uh, and they were not happy about it. Yeah. 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 Last question. Last question. And as the pastors would say, and I'm going to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't tell by these, by these questions, uh, dear listeners, I am a bibliophile, which means I have a, a, a healthy, I would like to say a healthy love of books. Don't judge me. Mm -hmm. They're all around me. They're, in fact, they're my best friends. Um, so Bell Hooks, she, she has a children's book. Um, because I collect all kinds of books around skin and color and race um, and its progeny. So she has this book called um, Skin Again. Mm. I read it all the time. I don't care. Judge me. <laughs> it's one of my personal favorites. She writes in part, she says, the skin I'm in is just a covering. It cannot tell my story. The skin I'm in is just a covering. If you want to know who I am, you have got to come inside and open your heart way wide uh, so it's with that every time i read it it makes me smile so what, <laughs> um, what are ways in which we can empower children and youth uh, to be comfortable in their own skin and to be grounded internally um, how can the north american church aid in body positivity uh, because it is body work full circle question yeah. We're not just going to talk about the problem. We're going to get some <laughs> solution. This is what we're doing wrong. And this is how we can right that wrong. What does the church in North America need to be doing to ensure that you don't traumatize another generation of people? What do we do? You know, I think, well, I think first it starts off at home. Mm -hmm. um, you know, helping a child to, um, to know who they are, their likes, their dislikes, and being okay with them giving us their opinions about yeah. who. Yeah. Like, I'm 
know, growing up, you know, you don't say anything, you don't back talk, but, you know, I think it's really healthy for kids to say what they don't like and what they do. Like, like I don't like the way that you grab my arm. I don't want any more dinner because I'm full instead of forcing them to eat or telling them they can't eat, or, you know, or um, their emotions. Like maybe they're not displaying their emotions in the way that you would, but it's an emotion and it's there and it's honoring that emotion and then giving them tools to be able to self-regulate. And then you can support them by co-regulating with them. Sit down with your child, meditate. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of meditation, prayer, whatever, you know, being able to be with self. Um, because then when they get in the church or out in the world, they already have a strong sense of themselves because it's cultivated at home that when they go into those spaces, it's like, mm -mm, wait a minute. So they'll feel even more comfortable saying, well, I'll say advocating, self-advocating. Um, and then I think the church could do a better job at having just very honest conversations. People are coming into these, into, you know, these worship spaces for healing, we can't hear what we don't reveal. And the Jay-Z says that the most, you know, eloquent prophet. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? He's dropping bars. We can't heal what we won't reveal. We can't. Like, how can we heal something that we don't even acknowledge? That's right. Like, let's just put it out there. You know, I, I was reading something recently about a church that decided they were going to do like this fast. And, you know, the Daniel fast, which is very common in many churches. Um, and... You know, someone had spoke up, a woman had spoken up and had said, you know, I struggle with an eating disorder. And I have for many, many years and I want to participate in this Daniel fast, but I don't know how to. Hmm. Like just the fact that she had voice to say that instead of not saying anything at all. And then her mind thinking, well, if I don't do this Daniel fast and I'm not a good Christian and da, 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 da. but she and whatever she must be doing her own healing work outside of the church and therapy or whatever the case that she felt comfortable enough to say it. And that led the church leader to begin having discussions around body image mm. and eating, because once again, like it's mind, body, and spirit. It's not That's just right. spirit. That's right. That's right. It's not just body. It's right. a whole person. And how do we show up for the whole person and, and helping them to be, uh, their healthiest self, their healthiest self, not their best self, but their healthiest self. I've switched my vocabulary with that, but their healthiest self. So well said, so well said. Thank you, Christian. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. Of course. I want to thank our guest, Christian Owens, and extend to you, our listeners, an opportunity to know this Jesus, who loves your body absolutely, positively. This Jesus, who loves all bodies without a doubt, invite him to journey with you as you become body positive. The Raceless Gospel Podcast Season 2 is brought to you through the generous support of Fellowship Southwest and American Baptist Home Mission Societies. You can support the work and witness of the Raceless Gospel Podcast by giving to Good Faith Media. Please visit our website, goodfaithmedia.org. This concludes this episode of the podcast, but not the conversation. Let's keep doing this body work. 
Head over to Our Fellowship Hour at Raceless Gospel Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Raceless Gospel Pod on Twitter. Absent in the body, but present in the Wi-Fi spirit. I'll see you there. On next week's episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast, we'll hear from Shane Claiborne and talk about gun violence, the death penalty, and the church's body count. <laughs>